Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Matthew chapter 9 is where we want to begin. We're going to begin a new series tonight. Uh, entitled Ministering and Receiving Healing. Ministering and Receiving Healing. Uh, two very supernatural events uh, really marked my, our ministry. And uh, both of them had to do with the anointing for what God's called us to do. And both of them had something to do specifically with the healing anointing. And uh, I had the Lord say to me one time that this healing anointing is part of my supply that we bring to the body of Christ. And uh, so I want to begin looking at this. And I'm calling it ministering and receiving healing because there's two schools of thought in the church. The first is that the responsibility for receiving healing is all on the minister. All right, well, if, if that minister was anointed, I would have gotten healed or whatever. Uh, now, that's a very real school of thought. And, you know, if I'm honest, I've thought that way. And if you're honest, you've thought that way. All right, it's just the reality of it. Uh, the second school of thought is that receiving healing is all on the person being prayed for. The reality of it is, is that it's a joint effort, all right? Because yes, there is a part that the minister or the person ministering healing plays, but there's a part that the person receiving healing plays. And I always think it's interesting that mainly you hear ministers say it's the receivers that are the problem, and you hear the receivers say the minister is the problem. So, well, I know I got faith. I wonder why I didn't get healed. It must have been him. Well, I, I understand how people can say that, but we want to begin and look here in the book of Matthew. We're going to look at the ministry of Jesus and over the next few weeks, and we're going to look at uh, 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 these miracles all throughout the four Gospels. You know, if you compress all the miracles that Jesus did in the four Gospels, if you compress them down, that, that, and, I, and I'm talking about miracles where he personally ministered to people, uh, there's about 19 of them. It seems like there's a lot more because they're repeated in each of the four Gospels, a lot of them. John doesn't have as many of them as the others. Now, there were instances that he healed multitudes. He healed innumerable amounts of people. But uh, just the ones where he personally interacted with the person, there's about 19 of them. And uh, we're going to begin tonight with uh, the, the account of the, the paralytic man that was brought by his four friends to Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 2, notice it says, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, or paralyzed man. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think you evil in your hearts? For rather it's easier to say your sins be forgiven you or to say arise and walk. 
but that you may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. And when the multitudes saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Now, it is God's will that all be healed, whether all are healed or not. It's God's will that all be healed, whether all are healed or not. Now, this is important because everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus said, is a direct revelation of the will of God. All right? And it's a direct revelation of the will of God for all people for all time. It doesn't change. Everything that Jesus said or did is a direct revelation of God's will. And Jesus was doing and revealing God's will for our bodies, right? That they be healed. Amen. Healing is not just a subject that we believe in. Healing is a redemptive fact that's to be walked in. All right? The, the, we are the healed of the Lord. Amen. And, you know, when we read these verses, something that really helped me years ago and you know, it may not be something that you ever had to think about, but just the thought came to me while I was reading this, these, these accounts. This really happened. These people really lived. This man was really paralyzed. He really had four crazy friends. Right? One minister said everybody needs at least four crazy friends. All right? He had four friends that really put him on his pallet and took him to this meeting. They really did that. And they really couldn't find a way in, and they really went up on the roof and tore the roof up and let him down through a hole in the roof. Amen. Do, do, do you see this? This transformed my thinking. You know, because people will read the Bible and they'll go, well, yes, it's true, but they still kind of take that as a story. And you'll hear ministers kind of making an allegory of it. Well, this is what this represents. This represents this, God's will concerning healing. That's all it represents. There's nothing, the bed doesn't represent anything. The hole in the roof doesn't represent anything. Well, you know, this is, this is an allegory. Well, that allegory got up off his bed and walked. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And notice it says, when the multitude saw it in verse 8, they marveled and glorified God. How can you tell the word, when the Word of God's coming alive to you? Here's how. You get excited. When the Word of God is coming alive to you, you get excited. I, there, there's a young man that, I, that I've been mentoring for years, and, and uh, uh, he's texting me every other day. He's just so on fire with the Word of God. I'm so excited, Pastor, and, and, and my life is changing. And all, He's excited because the Word of God's coming alive to him. All right? Many of these people in verse 9, this was the first time they had ever seen anybody healed. They'd never seen it on that, on that sort before. And what did it make them do? Glorify God. Hallelujah. Something you have to remember, and I want to keep reminding you through this, throughout this series. No one is waiting on God to heal them. No one is waiting on God. All right? 
Because if the price has been paid, if the package has been signed for, and it was, by the Lord Jesus Christ, then it's available. It might take you some time to build your faith to walk it out, but it's available, it's there, it belongs to you. Amen? Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 2, we're going to look at this same account throughout the four Gospels. Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. Notice that it says, And again he entered into Capernaum, and after some days it was noise that he was in the house. The Greek says back home, or his house. So there are people that say Jesus didn't have a house. Well, the Bible just said that they're wrong. He was in his house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come to him bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, your sins are forgiven you. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, they so reasoned within themselves, he said to them, What reason ye these things in your hearts? Rather, it's easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Your sins be forgiven, or say, Arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, Arise, take up your bed, and go your way into your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. We never saw it on this fashion. Hallelujah. The Woos Bible says, There were gathered together many, so that no longer was there room to receive them, not even at the door, and he was talking to them about the Word. He was talking to them about the Word. A big part of Jesus' ministry was teaching the Word. A big part of Jesus' ministry was teaching the Word. In uh, Matthew 4, 23 through 24, you don't necessarily have to go there. I'll read it to you from the Woos Bible. He said, the Bible says, And he was going around the whole of Galilee, notice, teaching in their synagogues, making a public proclamation of the good news regarding the kingdom, and healing all chronic and serious disease and all occasional illness among the people. And the report concerning him went off into the whole of Syria, and they brought to him all those who were in a miserable condition, physically, suffering with various kinds of chronic and serious ailments, and acute pains, and those who were demonized, and epileptic, and paralytic, and he healed them. Praise God. We see in this list probably every type of infirmity that there is. Probably every type. And notice, Jesus did what? He taught, he preached, and he healed. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Why is that important? Because healing was not an afterthought to Jesus. It was not a secondary issue. 
It was primary in his ministry. Amen. It wasn't something secondary with him. It was something that he put right on the front burner. Hallelujah. What does that mean? It shouldn't be a secondary issue with us. It shouldn't be a secondary issue in our churches. It shouldn't be a secondary issue in our lives. Because it wasn't secondary with Jesus. In, uh, you were right there in Mark 2.12. It says, they glorified God, saying we never saw it on this fashion. Notice something here that is probably simple, but there was no glorifying God while the man was paralyzed. What does that mean? Paralysis brought no glory to God. Nobody looked at that paralyzed man and said, Woo, look at that man that can't walk. Glory to God. Right? Now you'll see religion that will give God glory for sickness and, give, and, and talk about God teaching them something or, or, or laying it on them. All right? Well, you know, we, we hear that and we think, well, that's, that's ridiculous. Well, it is ridiculous, but why is it there? Why is that mindset there? Why, why is it there that God might be using that or whatever? Because it goes all the way back to somebody laying hands on someone and they didn't get healed and they started asking all kinds of questions except going back to, instead of going back to the Word of God. You preach the Word of God regardless of what physical issues you see or don't see. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Because what, when you start asking questions, well, why didn't so-and-so get healed? And why didn't that one receive? And why didn't this? Well, there's any number of variables. There's any number of variables. And people say, well, is it just that they didn't have faith? It may not be just that they didn't have faith, but they may not have had faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus said when you're asking for something and you're believing God for something, He said if you're there asking and you remember you have ought against your brother, go be reconciled to your brother and then come back and finish offering the gift. Well, why? That can stop you from receiving. It's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons. Amen. The Lord told Brother Hagin one time that a, a, a man was sick and wanted him to pray for him. The Lord said, don't pray for him. He said, why? He said, he's not going to get healed. He said, why isn't he going to get healed? He said, because he's in that place because he's at odds with his wife and he won't change. And until he changes that, I can't heal him. Now that's, that's in the Word. Talks uh, 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 about a man and a wife. And the emphasis there is on the man, guys, unfortunately, or however you want to say it. But, but the, the emphasis there on the man. And it says that the husband and wife should dwell together in unity so their prayers aren't hindered. Well, if disunity can hinder my prayers, could it hinder my healing? Yeah, it could. And so religion just wants to say, well, it's, it's just not God's will. That's ridiculous. I'll say this probably more than once. That's spiritual laziness. Just to say to all this junk about is it God's will to heal when the Bible's perfectly plain about God's will where healing is concerned, that's just spiritual laziness. That's just somebody that doesn't want to dig for the things of God. Amen. Glory to God. So there was no glorifying God while the man was paralyzed. They glorified God after 
the man was healed. Do you see that? So anything, anything that steals, kills, and destroys, we not only want to attribute it to God, we don't want to glorify God, try to glorify God through it. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 5. You know, actually, that's a very dangerous thing because the Bible lets us know that something that's very dangerous is for you to attribute either the works of God to the devil or the works of the devil to God. It's very dangerous. As a matter of fact, Jesus outlines that as what is blasphemy, attributing to God, to the devil, the works of God. When someone says, well, that sickness or disease, God must be using it or God's got a purpose for it. If it steals, kills, and destroys, Jesus said it's from the devil. So for somebody to say that something is from the devil is from God, at, at the least, at, at, at best, that's confused. Amen. He says in Luke 5, verse 15, notice this. But so much more went their fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. They came to hear and to be healed. F.F. F. Bosworth, who wrote the, the classic book, Christ the Healer, uh, of course, he was, he was a very prominent healing evangelist in the 1920s. Uh, but he was a very prominent healing evangelist in the 1950s. He came not out of retirement, but he mentored uh, Oral Roberts. He mentored uh, William Branham. Uh, he mentored uh, many of these men. He traveled. He did more traveling overseas uh, in his late 70s than he did when he was a younger man. But he, uh, if, if you ever read the book Christ the Healer, in the addendum, it explains, and, and I've heard other people explain it, he, he would not pray for anybody until they, had, until they had attended a certain number of services. Because he said, we know faith comes by hearing. See, what you get by your faith, you're more liable to keep it. Now, why is that? Because the working of the gifts of the Spirit, working of miracles, gifts of healing, those things op obviously operate as the Spirit will. But it took no faith for you to get it. You were healed by a miraculous gift. There, there was nothing I had to do to receive it. It was as the Spirit wills. Well, is it God's will to heal all the time? Yes. But when I am in the Word building my faith, see, that's the problem. That's why some don't receive. And that's not what I'm talking about tonight, but that's why some don't receive. They never spend any time building their faith concerning their own healing. And at some point, you will outgrow the ability or you should outgrow the ability to ride someone else's faith. At some point, God will look at you and say, you've been in church long enough, you've been in the Word enough that you ought to be receiving for yourself by your own faith. 
Amen. Now, see, that's easy to say, but hear what I'm saying. It's more difficult to walk out because you got to put in the effort. All right? Faith always works, but it's the persistence to build it and the persistence to walk it out. Amen. When you see somebody that receives something by their faith, I'm telling you, you're looking at somebody that has looked past the symptoms. You're looking at somebody that's looked past the circumstances. They have kept their eyes fixed on what God said. They didn't come to church expecting somebody else to have their victory for them. They were determined to receive it. Whether they felt anything, saw anything, experienced anything, they were going to believe God that God had healed them. Whether they ever saw the evidence of it or not, they were healed. Amen. And so they came to hear and be healed. But notice what came first, hearing. I see people that come to church about three times a month and then they wonder why they're not healed. There you go, that's your problem right there. Or financial issues or any other issue. I'll, I'll see people with marital issues and oh, we need the Lord to help us. And they lay out of church three out of four weeks out of the month and then wonder why nothing's happening. Because when, when, you, when you have very little, and, 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 and hear me, I've been pastoring long enough to say this pretty straight, all right? The evidence of whether or not the word is going in your life on a consistent basis will be borne out by the situation of your life. You're not going to tell me that you're constantly putting the word in your life and your life's falling down around your shoulders. Nothing's going right. Your marriage is falling apart. You're you're just not going to tell me that because the word of God restores, right? That's what the scripture says. Psalm 19.7 says "The, the law of the Lord is perfect and it restores the entire person. This is so important because the more you hear the word, your goal where the word is concerned is to do everything you can do to overdose on it. You can't, but you want to try. Amen. So they came to hear and to be healed. Then notice, and he withdrew himself in the wilderness and prayed, and it came to pass a certain day he was teaching. Notice that again. Have you seen this? That in all three of these accounts, it emphasizes that he was teaching. Now, why is that important? Because there's nothing in the Bible by happenstance. Three times we're told he was teaching. So what is that? What, and, and, and twice out of those three times, it says the people came to hear what he was teaching and to be healed by him. So that tells me something. If Jesus was teaching in all these different instances and it's, it's recorded three times by three different authors that he was teaching, teaching and hearing the word is vital where my healing is concerned. To my original point, what you get by faith, you'll more readily keep because you got it, you got it by faith. Amen. And once you get your healing by faith, your days of sickness and disease dominating you are over because I know how to get it. 
I know how to get it. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I know how to get it. And if I don't, I will. Amen. So they came to hear and be healed. But notice, it says there were Pharisees and doctors of the law, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Present to heal them. So they came to hear and be healed in, in the, the other verse. And then he talks about these Pharisees and doctors of the law that were there. Thinking you know something within yourself can be a hindrance to being used by God. Well, I know. I, I know what the Bible says about healing. But they were sick. I know what the law says, but they were sick. Do you see that? Folks, listen to me. There's no sin in fighting an illness. There's no sin in being sick. See, we're going to talk about that in a moment. That's one of the enemy's prime tactics is to condemn you because you're battling something. All right? But what I've got to realize is that just because I know something doesn't mean I have grasped it and it's going to work for me. That can become a hindrance. Hallelujah. I, all of us know the person. You know, you, you start to quote a scripture and they quote it before you. I mean, you're preaching. And they're out preaching you. Right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with amen. And shake that bush, pastor. Turn the light on. Come on in. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? But the, 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 the point is, is I always want to hear what the word of God's saying. And James said, if you remember in James 1.21, he said, receive the engrafted word with meekness. So if I've heard it a hundred times, if I've heard it 500 times, it may be the 501st time I hear it, it takes root. And listen, who cares how many times you had to hear it if it, if it works? Right? These religious men did not come to be healed. They came to find fault. Amen. They, they came to find fault. They were critical. That's another thing that'll stop a person from receiving their healing. Criticism. Judgmentalism. It, it'll stop the healing power. Understand this. The pressure is not on you to heal you. And it's not on you to heal others. I had a friend one time that pastor of the church in, in Missouri and he's in heaven today, and uh, at one time he was talking to me about bringing that church into our fellowship and, and wanting us to pastor it, and he had me over to minister, and his people all knew me, but, you know, he just, just the way he was, and, uh, and uh, I taught on the, the, the message that God kind of faith, and, uh, well, they didn't hear any faith teaching, and, 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 and really he was an evangelist, so they didn't hear any teaching at all. 
they heard a lot of preaching. And uh, so people came up for prayer, and of course the Holy Spirit moved, but uh, he took me out to dinner a couple days after that, and he said, well, you know, about this change in the church over, he said, here's my question for you. He said, what are you going to say if somebody comes up to you and says, well, I did what you told me and it didn't work? I said, well, I tell them that's impossible. I heard a man say something one time. He said, the faith message is easy to preach, but it's hard to pastor. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's what the Word says. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what the Word says. And it's the Word that said the Word was truth. Right? So, so I told him, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell him, no, you didn't. You can't do what this says consistently and not get the results it promises. It's impossible. Why? Because the Bible says it's impossible. Amen. Well, obviously he didn't like that, and so we never had that church. But, you know, the thing is, the pressure's not on me to heal you. And the pressure's not on you to get healed. If you're under the pressure of it, you're not going to be in faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you see that? Notice what it says about these men. Well, we'll see that in just a moment. These men were taking up seats that people of faith could have had. And it's packed. That house is packed. They can't get in the door. Not even in the door. And notice, these unbelieving, fault-finding men were sick. They were sick. Because the Scripture says the power of God was present to heal them. Right after it says, Pharisees, doctors of the law, sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, the power of the Lord was present to heal them, specifically those doctors of the law. The Wuss Bible says the Lord's power was with him for the purpose of healing. There's no record that any of those men was healed. Yet the power was there to heal them. The power was there to heal them. You know, I grew up in a denomination, this is an example about the power of God, uh, uh, where you tarried for the Holy Ghost. I mean, you tarried. I mean, you had to tarry. Right? And you didn't tarry altogether. It was, it was, uh, it was segregated tarrying. The men tarried over here and the women tarried over there. Amen. And you tarried. And there, there were people that had been tarrying for years. For years. But here's the thing. There were services that the power of God would show up. And people would get knocked flat. And I mean, and they're crying out for, oh, God, move. Oh, God, move. Oh, God, show us your power. People are laid out into the power all around them. And they're beating on the altar. Oh, God, give me the Holy Ghost. Oh, God. The power was present. It was all around them. 
You know, the Bible doesn't say this for no reason. It says that that power was specifically present there to heal them. It was available. Amen. But we have no record that they got healed. The power can be present and people not get healed. Hallelujah. Do you see this? Verse 18, he says, And behold, men brought in the bed a man which was taken with the palsy, and they sought means to bring him in to lay him before him. And it says, notice, and when they could not find by what way they might bring him in. So they couldn't find a way. Notice this. These men did not take the fact that they couldn't get into the house to mean it was not God's will to heal their friend. I mean, what if they said, well, you know, if we get there and can't get in, must not have been God's will. They didn't do that. They didn't say, well, it must not have been God's will. The Woosh Bible says they were seeking how they might bring him in and place him before him. Faith is persistent. Faith is persistence. Persistent. And once you know the will of God, then you have to be persistent. You have to stay with it. Hallelujah. This is so important. Because... You know, when I hear people talk about faith and their faith, and they talk a lot about faith, I watch their life. How persistent are they in their life? Because here's the thing. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. And if you're not persistent in other areas of your life, I dare say you're not persistent in your faith walk. If I'm inconsistent in other ways, I'm going to be inconsistent in my spiritual walk. Why? Because the natural life is a type and a shadow of the spiritual life. And if you see someone uh, uh, persistent in their natural life and consistent in the way they do things, you're going to see someone that's persistent and consistent, or we could say persistently consistent, in their spiritual life. It's just the way it's going to be. And when these men got there, they tried to go through the door. They couldn't go through the door. They walked around the house. They couldn't find a way in, but they didn't give up. They didn't say, hey, buddy, we did our best. They kept looking for a way to make this happen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's why we say faith is persistent. And all this talk about is it God's will to heal? When, when it has been revealed in Scripture that it's God's will to heal, that's spiritual laziness. That's spiritual laziness. When someone knows it's God's will to heal and asks, is it God's will to heal, when it's been clearly revealed that it's God's will to heal. Ministering and receiving healing. So one of the first things you've got to ascertain is it is the very first point I made was this. It is God's will for all to be healed, whether all get healed or not. Don't ever pick up that question. Well, if it's God's will to heal everybody, why didn't so-and-so get healed? I can't answer that question without knowledge of the situation. But here's what I know you got to hold on to. It's God's will to heal me. Amen. I was told as a very young man 
that prosperity wasn't for God's people. I had a minister look at me and get mad at me, and, and I was in his car. I couldn't get out. And I was talking to him. I had heard a minister talk about how Jesus wasn't poor, and he got upset. He turned red in the face. Jesus was too poor, and he spit on me when he said poor. And that's how upset he was. Jesus was poor. And they have not one scripture to back that up. But here's the thing. Here's <laughs> Hallelujah. So if everybody stays broke, I'm not. But because I see it in the Word. Right? Hallelujah. If, if, if nobody around me gets healed, I'm staying healed. I'm going to get healed because this is God's will for me. And if I'm in a situation where I'm not walking in perfect health, I've got to keep building my faith in the Word of God until I reach that place. Glory to God. Amen. So you'll hear people, they'll have great debates. Is divine healing God's will today? You know, there's a very simple answer, and it's going to sound very elementary, but it's profound. God doesn't change. Now think about that for a moment. There were people that came to Jesus. That two instances in the Gospels, it says He healed them all. One instance where it says He healed them all, actually there's three. One instance where it says He healed them all, it says He healed them with His Word. He healed them all with His Word. The second instance, it says that all that touched him were healed. And he healed them all. The third instance is right after he healed Peter's mother-in-law, which is why many say that's why Peter denied Jesus. Because he healed his mother-in-law. I, 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 don't, I don't know about that. but <laughs> I don't know. But right after that, he, he went out the door, and by the time he had, had got... Peter's mother-in-law healed they had brought it says all the sick people in the city all the demonized people in the city and Jesus sat in that doorway of Peter's house and healed people all night long and it says he healed them all now think about that the Jesus out of his own mouth said a thing is established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. It's established. It's law in the mouth of two or three witnesses. I just gave you four witnesses that Jesus in his earthly ministry healed everybody that came to him sick. If it wasn't God's will to heal everybody all the time, why didn't Jesus ever look at anyone and say, it's not God's will to heal you? If it wasn't God's will to heal everyone, how could Jesus heal multitudes of people that many that he never saw face to face? You're not going to tell me that everybody in those multitudes was keeping the law. You're not going to tell me that everybody was living right. You're not going to tell me everybody was a Jew. Because you can't. Because there's no way. In an innumerable amount of people, there's no way to tell how many people are there that are godly or ungodly. But it says in that innumerable number of people, there, there, there could be ungodly people, there could be people that were not Jewish, yet He healed them all. Amen. 
And Hebrews 13 and 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory be to God. Amen. Do, 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 do you see that? So there's flows. That, well, what was that? The working of miracles, the gifts of healing. It was touching all those people. But then there were people that came to Jesus one-on-one. And he said, you believe I'm able? Right? I believe. Go your way. Your faith healed you. Amen. Woman touched his, his garment. And then he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Hallelujah. The point is, if someone asks, is it always God's will to heal? Look at Jesus. When the leper came to him and said, I know that if you want to, you can heal me. And the Greek says this, that Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I'm desiring it with all my heart. Now, wait a minute. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Has he changed? Has he changed? So that means he's still desiring to heal you with all his heart. That's still his desire. Oh, glory. Mm. Verse 19. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went to the housetop and let him down through the tiling. Now Luke is the only one that mentions tiling. In, in most cases... Uh, these roofs were three layers. Uh, the bottom layer was tile. The second layer was dirt. The third layer was like brush. So they went up on Jesus' house and took all the brush off, dug a hole through the dirt, broke up the tiles, and let this man down of Jesus' house. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And they led him into the midst of Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now notice, he saw their faith. All of them, including the man on the stretcher. Not just the four guys. People that whine and people that are full of self-pity often won't be healed. Faith doesn't whine. Brother Hagin laid hands on a woman one time and, and uh, 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 you know, he prayed for her and somebody asked, her, asked him, said, uh, uh, Brother Hagin, did that woman receive anything? He said, no. She, they said, Why? He said, uh, the wine never left her voice. Faith is sure. I've been in and around the healing ministry my whole life. I've, I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open, people get out of wheelchairs, seen people raised from the dead. I mean, commonplace. But here, here's the thing. Here's, 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 here's what I've noticed over the years. That people that receive are people that have this uh, not just assurance, 
but they're not, they're not looking for sympathy. They're not, they want God to touch their body. Amen. And that, that's where the surety comes from. Faith is victory. 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith is victory. Faith never takes a whiny, self-pity stance. Ever. Because that, that hinders the operation. Hallelujah. Faith is a fighter. Faith is determined. Faith is persistent. Faith doesn't give up. When these men broke through, there was some faith that invaded that room. The, notice, the power of God was present to heal, and yet nobody was getting healed. Why? There was no faith in that room for any healing. But when those men broke through the roof, faith showed up. Hallelujah. See, that, that's, the, that's the thing. Whether anybody gets their healing, I'm getting mine. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see that? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So when these men broke through, there was some faith that invaded that room. One of the biggest faith destroyers is condemnation. Notice what Jesus said. When he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven. Now, why do you do that? Well, he did it for two reasons. Number one, free the man from guilt and condemnation. And number two, prove a point. Because those leaders, those scribes, those Pharisees that were there, their doctrinal stance was this, that everybody that was sick was sick because they were sinners. Remember in the book of John, the man that Jesus healed and the disciples said, Lord, who sinned, this man or his father and mother, that he was born blind? He said, neither. And, and, and then when he met with the scribes and the Pharisees and the leaders, remember what they, they told him? He, the man knew the word. And he said, never was it seen on this, on this score before that a man would open the eyes of the blind. He said, this guy's the Messiah and you don't see it. And what they say, don't teach us. You were born a sinner. Well, why would why they say he was born a sinner? He was born blind. But the first thing Jesus did was forgive this man's sin. Well, if he can forgive sin, now, now watch, if he can heal, he can forgive sin. And now listen, and if he can forgive sin, then he is who he says he is. He is the Son of God. So he, he forgave his sin, freed him from guilt and condemnation, and prove to everybody, the one that can heal is here. Now, after that, after that, there's no excuse to not get healed. Right? 
That's one of the reasons, one of the biggest faith destroyers is condemnation. And that's what the enemy do. Well, you're in that position because you did this. Or you're in that position, or you're in that condition physically because of this or that or the other. Or here's one of the biggest condemnation statements, you don't have enough faith. That's, that's a lie. You, you understand? Because, because that, that breeds guilt and condemnation. Where there's, there's something I'm not doing. There's something that I'm not, where I'm not measuring up. That's one reason the devil wants to keep people in sin. Verse 22, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, what reason you in your hearts? Rather, it's easier to say your sins be forgiven or to say rise up and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, arise, take up your couch, go into your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Hallelujah. Many have been taught that it's God's will to forgive all. But they've also been taught that it's not always God's will to heal all. And that's what makes it more difficult. They've heard about Paul's thorn and Job's boil, but they haven't heard the truth. You know, one of the things that, that made my, my, wife, my wife's life as a believer so simple was she didn't have anything to unlearn. She was a straight-up heathen when she got saved. She had never been to church, right? So getting saved was easy. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit was easy. Getting healed was easy because she didn't know. She didn't have anything to unlearn. Amen. But like I use that illustration, when you come through that traditional thing, you got to tear it. Well, that's a stumbling block right there. You, sh you can't get the Holy Ghost by just having hands laid on you. You got to tear it. I mean, you just got to tear it. Or if you're raised up with, well, you know, it might be God's will to heal you. It might not be God's will to heal you. I mean, I mean, it might, you know, God might be trying to teach you something. I mean, you might be so bad that he's got to teach you something. You, you understand? Well, then you've got to unlearn all that. You've got to unlearn all that. Well, you know, in this series, we're going to unlearn all that. Whether you've learned it or not, we're going to unlearn all that. The Lord said something to me one time, and, and, and I talked about supernatural things, and I, and I don't have time to stay with this. Uh, but I told you that the Lord said to me, He said, this healing anointing is part of your supply to the body of Christ. And that's why... After the Lord began to deal with me about that, I said, we need to get healing school back on the, on the calendar. We, we need to be laying hands on people again. Not that we've ever stopped, but we're moving into something. And that's not just a cliche statement. Because every time you, you know, a new year rolls around, oh, God's on the move and we're moving into something. Well, but it's deeper than that. The Lord said to me uh, some years ago, uh, it was actually a, a very supernatural visitation. 
And uh, I've told you the story. Uh, I, I had gotten up in the middle of the night, and I was coming back to our bed, and I looked up in the bedroom door, and there was an angel there. And I sat down on the edge of the bed, and I asked him, I said, why are you here? You know, because they don't just show up for no reason, so I need to know why you're here. And uh, he said to me, he said, I've come to bring you this anointing. And then he explained what that anointing was. And he said, from now on, when you pray for people, and he, he listed specifically cancer, he said, when you pray for people with cancer, you don't deal with that as just a disease. You deal with it for what it is, the foul offspring of the pit of hell. And he said, when you pray for people with cancer, you've got to tell that story and pray for those people. When Dr. Dufresne was in our church many, many years ago, uh, uh, I had been studying out in, in my shed one day, and I know I'm taking a little extra time tonight. I don't mean to, but I, I've, got to, I've got to follow the, the Holy Spirit. And I was praying, and I was reading Brother Hagin's book uh, where he talked about the story where he said Jesus told him most ministers, most ministers, not some, most, live and die and never get into the first phase of their ministry. Man, I remember laying that book down and said, God, that's not going to be me. Well, anyway, Dr. Dufresne came to our church that, that weekend. And he was sitting in my office before service on Sunday evening, and he just looked at me and my wife, and he just made a very matter-of-fact statement. He said, well, the Lord just spoke to me and said, you've entered the second phase of your ministry. So praise God. But the next Sunday, man, the Holy Spirit moved so powerfully. And I mean, it was, it was a humdinger, you understand? Not just a dinger, a humdinger, all right? And uh, uh, I was sitting on the front row and just, the only way I know to say it, just out of it, just drunk in the Holy Ghost. And uh, I looked up and I, and I just saw like a man's legs from the knees down. And, you know, I know a lot of people see a long flowing robe. I didn't see a long flowing robe. I saw legs in sandals. I could see a garment. And uh, I looked, I kept looking up, and this angel of the Lord was standing there with two buckets full of golden oil. And he spoke to me, and he said, I'm here to bring you this anointing for the second phase of your ministry. And there were two, there were two, now I, I say that and I, and I know if you tell those stories to the wrong people, they're kind of like, ah, oh, well, but you, you risk that. What I'm trying to explain to you is there is a tangible healing anointing on this ministry. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. See, I obeyed you. Thank, thank you. Hallelujah. There is a tangible healing anointing on this ministry. And when sick people come to our churches, the Lord said through Pastor Nancy, he said, Lord, let people know that this is a place of healing and miracles. And if they need a touch from God, they can come there. She laid hands on myself and on my wife, and she spoke over my wife and said there was a 40% increase in the gifts of healing. She spoke over my life and said a 30% increase in the working of miracles. When Prophet Ford was with us this past Sunday, uh, two Sundays ago in Kansas, 
at the end of the service, the Holy Spirit was moving, and he spoke to me, and he said, the Lord tells me that there's a four-time four, four increase in the gifts of healing in your ministry. And he said, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to be preaching, and you're going to hear what the Lord says about healing, and you're not even going to have to say anything. Healings are just going to start interrupting the service. Now that's going to happen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so as we press into that, as we press into that, amen. And, and I've just made a commitment to the Lord that we're going to get our hands on more people and lay hands on more people because it's there.